Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead, and I'm your host. I'm also the student and outreach pastor here at Redeemer Church. And what you're about to listen to was a sermon that was preached at our Wednesday night gathering from 6.30 to 8.30 with our students. So I hope that this sermon is encouraging and a blessing to you today. Thanks for listening. All right. So yeah, most of you guys know me. I'm Sam. I let's see, this is my... Uh, Gosh, I guess sixth sixth year with Harvest students or Redeemer students, and um, I'm remembering how much I mean. I'm doing high school. I'm a high school leader now, and um, I'm just remembering now how much I really miss doing junior high. I did junior high guys for three three years, um, so I'm excited. Um, so, let's start off with a question. So, how many of you guys? Raise your hand if you're homeschooled or homeschool co-op. All right, now raise your hand if you're public school or private school. Okay, pretty good. Close to, close to 50-50. So in August, let's see, August 2001, I was a sophomore and I was homeschooled. But in August, my, I transitioned to public school. Now, when I did this transition, a huge shift, and for some of you know this shift, some of you don't, but when you're homeschooled, you're getting all your expectations from your parents, um, your classes, your homework, what textbooks you're going to use, when you can have free time, you know, when you, when's lunchtime, when do you start your day, all the structure comes from your parents. Now, when I changed from homeschool to public school, all the expectations of my day changed. My expectations came from my teachers. Whenever the bus was coming, I had to be there. Um, so all those expectations changed. And so, and there was even more expectations that were put on you. Not, the expectations changed from my parents now to, and some of you know this, um, some of you are experiencing this, but your expectations are now you have teacher expectations, but you also have social expectations. Who are you going to sit with at lunch? Who are you going to sit with in your class? Who are you going to study with? And you got all these, all these new scenarios that you have to, all these new scenarios that I had to face, all these new um, expectations that I encountered. And so just as an example, I brought this backpack and um, I put... I put, a, put some stuff in it. Now, when you typically, um, when, I had, when I was going to school, to public high school for the first time, I had to get all this stuff, right? Your teachers give you this list of everything you have to bring, right? You got so to bring a notebook, right? Um, you got to bring, like, oh, you got to bring a gym uniform, all right? You got to have, like, rulers. You got textbooks. You got these big textbooks you got to lug around, carry around. Um, then you got stuff like art supplies and pens and pencils. Um, you got all this stuff. Those are all tools that, you're te- that you need to meet expectations. So tonight's passage, we're going to look at um, God's expectations for us. But I want you guys, I want each of you to think for a minute, whose expectations are you working to satisfy on a daily, weekly basis? Just take 
maybe 10 seconds and just think about it. Um, so, I you guys have thought about it. It might be, maybe it's uh, parents, maybe it's teachers, friends, maybe a sports coach. Um, so we're going to look at this passage tonight, Matthew 22, 35. It's this young, young Pharisee who's a master in the law, the Jewish law, and he wants to test Jesus and ask him what the most important law is. Um, what is God's biggest expectation for him? You see, in that day, um, the Pharisees were experts in the law, and they, there was over 600 laws for them that they were expected to memorize and to follow. I'm sh- doesn't that sound impossible? 600 laws? I'm sure many of you feel like all the things you're expected to follow at school or at home, I'm sure at times you feel that's impossible. Or if all your teachers assign you homework on the same day, that's impossible. How am I going to do all this homework and tests and papers? Um, And so that's how they feel. There were 600 laws to follow. So let's read this passage, Matthew 22, 35 to 40. And one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend all the law and the prophets. Lord, we... um, are always humbled when we come to your law and we always see that we don't meet your expectations. We see how short we fall, how we're focused on the things of the world and yet you're calling us to love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul and all of our mind and to love others. So we do pray that you would show us um, your expectations and show us um, our need for Jesus. So in Jesus answering this question of this young lawyer, he quotes Deuteronomy 6, chapter 5, back to him, um, which is straight out of God's Old Testament law, one of the many laws that they studied. And so this guy would have been really familiar with that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Um, And just to give you an idea of how the impossibility of that, um, I thought of this idea. It would be like having to answer every single question of, of your class perfectly all year to pass. And then taking it a step farther, it would be not even doing that, but it would be doing it for every class, answering every single question right every single time the whole year. And not only for that year, but for the next year and for the rest of your life. God's demanding perfection from us for our whole lives. And so if we kind of think of this idea of our failures in school, we can see 
how easily we fail God's law. So we kind of get this, we're starting to see this impossibility. How is it possible that we can meet God's demands to love him with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind? And God takes this even a step further. Not only is he requiring perfect obedience for our entire lives, just like getting every answer right forever, but then he's also taking a step further by saying you must have perfect motives. You must not only obey me, but you must, you must love me. So that not only do we have to be right every time, but we have to do it with a perfect attitude, um, which makes it even more impossible. I just, just to be clear, I'm using this kind of school analogy not to say if you got a wrong answer on a test that you're sinning, but it's just an example of how impossible it is to follow God's law. So looking at our heart condition a little more, have any of you guys, think of something, let's think about, have any of you guys ever obsessed over anything? Like a person, or a movie, or a guy, or a girl, and you just, the more you think, or a song, right? You get this new cool song, right? Stuck in your head. Like you're just playing it over and over and over and you hang out with your friends and you're listening. You're like, isn't this song great? And then you're listening. You're like, oh, I fall asleep. I can't fall asleep unless I'm listening to my song. Or, you know, I can't start my day unless I hear my song. Or, um, or even other obsessions like Christmas Eve, right? We just had Christmas. Like, oh, what am I going to get? Like thinking about this or what I, maybe if my parents got me this or maybe I got this. And so our minds can easily become obsessed with things. And looking into the Bible, we see David was also talks about an obsession he had. In Psalm 1, David says, Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on that law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. And then again, David says, The law of the Lord is perfect, and it revives my soul. So David is saying that to live, we must be obsessed with God's law, which requires perfect obedience and a perfect heart. That just like a tree needs water, we, just like a tree can't live without water, we can't live without God's law. But what do, so what do all these laws do for us? How do they help us? How do they save us? Just as JT's preached on this before, those laws, they give us a window into our hearts. They show us the truth. They show us who we really are. And just like when you, when you take that test at school, you, you go into that test, you don't know what questions are going to be on there. But just like when you go into that test, your teacher wants to, you find out what you know and what you don't know, right? If you get it right, you knew it. If you get it wrong, you didn't. And so that's what God's law does for us. We can look into God's law and we can discover how much we need him. We can discover our sin. We can discover our deficiencies. We can discover God's expectations for us. And so after David talks about being obsessed with God's law, then he also comes to this conclusion in Psalm 51. He concludes, God Create a clean heart in me and renew 
a right spirit within me. So he's crying out to God to know his law. And then when, he's, when he knows God's law, then he's crying out, God, I need a new heart. Because looking into your law, it is more than I can bear. Just like this backpack of expectations, the more, the more expectations of the world that we lay in that backpack, they're going to crush us. And it's the same for David. David realized he was getting crushed and he needed a new heart. He needed to obsess over God's law so that God could clean him. I think just how uh, we often, we become, we can often become, we become slaves, right, to our, to the grading, to our grading standards, to our textbooks, right? We have to read this chapter. Uh, we have to answer these questions. We have to write this essay. And just as in we can become slaves to doing that, we can also become slaves to our sin. We can become slaves to fulfilling those things for our own glory. Um, and I realized that when I started going to public school, I started... Um, performing so that my teachers would like me. I started um, wanting to get the right answers so that people would think I was smart. Um, I started wanting to know the perfect answer so that people would like me. I wanted to do really well in gym class to, so that I would be accepted. But then looking into God's law, I can see that God, this burden, I cannot, this burden is more than I can bear. So we looked a little bit at this first section, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and mind. Let's look a little bit at the second part. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So this impossibility of God's expectations builds because he, start, he not only calls us to love him perfectly and to obey him perfectly, and his expectation builds to love others perfectly. It's one thing for us to get, like I was saying earlier, it's one thing for us to get all those perfect right answers, but it's another thing to do it with the right heart. And so it's one thing for that. Now God takes it a step further. Now we have to do it for others as well. Now we have to help others get the right answers. Now we have to work for others to be successful. We have to help our siblings be successful. We have to help our friends be successful more than even our own success. In John 15, 12, Jesus says, my command is that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love than this, than that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So when I did this transition and like these things I talked about, I wanted to do all these things to impress others. And um, this is a battle that we face uh, our whole life is our, we're working for the expectations, but are we working those expectations for our glory? Are we becoming a slave to satisfying the world? 
or becoming a slave to satisfying friends, to satisfy parents, or are we doing it because we want to love God um, and love others? I hope you all are beginning to feel um, with some clarity what God expects of you and feel the weight of that. These, these things in your backpack, these expectations that you put on yourself, um, they don't, <laughs> the more expectations you have, they don't make you happier and happier, do they? Um, the more answers you get right, the more you do, the more expectations, the more you do, does that make you happier? Does it make you joyful? Um, no. When I, when I started going to public school and I started taking all these things on and um, trying to impress people and trying to get good grades and trying to look smart, it, it made my life more stressful. It brought more, it brought a lot, it brought a lot of anxiety. It brought stress. It brought fear. Um, it brought insecurity. Am I wearing, what if I wear this? What if I wear that? What if I do this? What if I do this sport? Or what, if, what would this friend say if I do this? And so it brings your stress up. It brings your anxiety up. It made me more tired. It made me depressed. Maybe some of you guys are feeling that weight. The weight, this, this weight of this backpack of expectations that the world places on you. Maybe some of you guys are feeling that. Because these things can be, these things are a tool. They can be used to bring ourselves glory, or we can use them as tools to bring God glory. And when we're working towards God's law of loving God and loving others, it, it becomes freeing, just like for David. It becomes freeing. Because there was only one person, Jesus, who met all of God's expectations. He did everything God wanted him to do. And then he died to satisfy God so that we might know him despite not meeting any of his expectations. We can know him and we can know his law. And this backpack that is a weight, God can take that backpack that's a crushing weight and he can turn it into a tool that we can use to glorify him. We can get good grades because God made us to love music. We can get good grades in math because God made us love math. And we can help others excel as well because of the gifts God given us and we can do it for God's glory. So when we look into this um, law of God, we should see our need for him and we should see that God's expectations, <laughs> we should see the impossibility of them. So how can we, what is the first step? How can we um, become to love God's law? And I'm going to um, just close, close quickly with this. In the last, Jesus quoted this from Deuteronomy 6.5. I'm going to go to the next verse here. Deuteronomy 6.7 through 9. 
These words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You should talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates.